Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast exploring loving God and loving our neighbors, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I'm Tommy Morris, and in the studio with me today, I have Mr. Sean Schomer. Hello. What's up, Sean? Happy to be here. And Mr. Scott Vitro. Hey, hey. Glad right. to be here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. You're on the hot seat today, man. I know. I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, let's do it. Yeah. So you interviewed us on Zambia, <laughs> and now it is our turn to interview you on something that uh, you have experience with and we don't, and that is fostering. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, uh, I remember when you guys were going on the Zambia trip and my wife kept asking me if I wanted to go. And I mean, I, I have some health issues anyway. I'm diabetic and have kidney stones. And I was like, that may not be the best idea in the world to go internationally travel for five days. But, you know, at a certain point, you know, I told my wife, um, you know, and it's nothing against going to Zambia, but everybody has different reasons for things. And I told her, I was like, my Zambia is here because, you know, maybe a little bit different situation. Um, but there's just in our community, uh, an overwhelming, surprising amount of kids that are not just in foster care, but just the reasons why they get into care. And it's, you know, it's very similar to street kids in Africa, right? Something happens with the parents, you know, occasionally it's because the parents have passed away, but you know, more than likely it's either abuse or drugs or some combination of all of the above. Right. And these kids come into care and have a lot of trauma and things like that. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarities in the way, you know, missions work. And I feel like for the past few years, you know, my wife and I's, you know, mission field has been here in our area and try to take in some kids and uh, give them stability and um, fight the system and the world. And, and it's, it's been a wild ride. So. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some of that today. I think it, it is interesting to do this one after we talked about Zambia and, the fact that over there, the big ministry is really for outreach for kids, Yeah, kids who are hurting, who have been abused, who maybe have had parents die or family members die. And, and Sean, just you, I mean, when we were over there and you starting to feel like maybe some element of helping in a type of uh, role with foster care here back in the States, uh, was something that maybe God was leading you to maybe doing an Isaiah house or something. Um, but you had started to to really lean in on praying about your role as far as working with kids here too. Yeah, I'd heard about the Isaiah 117 house through, you know, you and Shara. And uh, so I, I emailed the team. They sent me an email back. I still got it in my inbox. I haven't started the process yet. But, yeah, I mean, this these are my people. So I feel you. Yeah, and that's and, what uh, I think is cool is like kind of this little connection, right, of like, in different ways, God using us to, to work with kids. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens with you, Sean. But man, you, Scott, you've been in the trenches for, uh, how, how for long now? over two years now. Yeah. Doing well. I mean, we, we technically did it in California too, but that was for, uh, for some kinship care, um, for a little bit. So yeah, I mean it, you know, honestly, it doesn't, you know, sound like a lot of time, but the past few years have been very busy, a lot of whiplash, a lot of ups and downs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to do no whole, no whole bars on this, you know, just because, you know, I, I want to speak truthfully about it. Um, but so I, disclaimer, you know, like I mean, yeah, yeah. Disclaimer, Scott's experience might not be everyone's, but he's <laughs> going to be willing to share from the good and the bad. And that way yeah. everybody just kind of understands what, what it really entails. I mean, no different than like in Zambia. It's, it's not always good. I mean, just a few months after we left, there was a girl who ran away, went back to the streets. There was another one who got killed, got hit by a bus. Like 
there are really hard parts when you do ministries like this. There are things that really test you, test your faith, test your strength. There are some ugly sides to things like this. And so, yeah, you're going to be somewhat candid, right? Sure. To a degree. And uh, we're just going to have an honest conversation about it. So, Sean, you got any start-off questions for for Scott here? Uh, I guess I never asked, but why do you guys foster? Well, you know, we've we've talked about, like, adopting for a long time. And, um, you know, our... Our, our, our immediate family is done with having kids. So, you know, I, I was telling my wife, I was like, hey, you know, if we want more kids, like maybe we can look into adoption, you know, like down the road. But when we live in California, uh, probably five or six years ago now, two of my wife's, I guess, uh, cousins, uh, they're, they're, they're both teenagers. They were removed from their home. So, you know, fatherless home, uh, mom had, you know, drug addiction stuff like that. So they were, were removed and, uh, they, they were young teenagers and, you know, we had the opportunity for them to come to our home. Uh, they were with us for three or four months. And I mean, it was, it was really neat. I mean, we didn't have our house set up for them. Like back then we had like a little three bedroom, probably 1200 square foot house and, you know, throwing two teenagers in there. It was a little challenging. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of our first introduction into it, but it was really neat to not, I mean, not only just to, you know, get to know them, but to kind of see them start to change a little bit, uh, being in a stable, you know, home. And so they ended up going with another family member more long-term and, um, you know, they've, uh, they've been there, uh, with, you know, another set of cousins, uh, ever since. And so they, they've come a long way. Uh, the, the boy, he ended up, uh, going to college and is doing good things. He got a scholarship and stuff. He's very athletic, uh, got a wrestling scholarship and, uh, the girl's doing okay too. You know, she's an adult now, but yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it, it kind of opened up the door to this world of foster care anyway. So it's a little bit different whenever you're related and you take in a kid, um, uh, because there's not as much paperwork and, you know, hoops to jump through and, you know, inspections and licenses and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that's really where it started. And then, you know, one, once we moved out here, uh, we were really praying about, you know, our, our ministry. And so we really started researching into, you know, just the need for foster care in our area. And so that I mean, was kind of right away when you moved, like you kind of already knew moving that. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. So, so, so after the cousins had left, you know, to their permanent home, that's kind of what, you know, planted the seed, you know, we really started researching and praying about it. And, um, it, you know, it, it's just funny. Cause you know, you, you guys know me and my testimony and things like that. You know, we, we never really like my wife never wanted kids. I was scared to death to be a dad, you know, stuff like that. You know, God blessed us with three, you know, biological kids. So, um, you know, there's, there's been growth in that, but we wanted to extend it beyond that just because it's like, you know, you, you've blessed us so much with, uh, not just our marriage, but you know, our own kids and family. And, you know, we're, we're not perfect by any means, you know, but we just said, Hey, like, let's, let's just give this a shot because there's so many kids who just need some stability, some love, you know, even things you guys talked about in Zambia, just, you know, to be played with or to feel safe, um, even just to have a father figure in the home, you know, something that you know, most of these kids have never had, uh, where we can step in and do that. So that, that desire really grew in our hearts and yeah, yeah. Once we came out here, uh, we started taking classes and during the middle of a pandemic, of course, you know, best time to start anything. And yeah, and we got licensed and started. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of why, 
a lot of a lot of God tugging at our hearts and you know basically saying hey uh, you know th- this is your ministry for for a time okay so yeah, yeah right on so what for those who maybe don't know like what does that process look like when you go to apply to be foster parents like, yeah so good question yeah so every state is a little bit different on the requirements uh, so basically out here you know we filled out there's a lot of paperwork involved you know, you fill out this big initial application and then, um, and then you get signed up for, for classes that are usually about eight weeks. Uh, we did them on zoom, you know, during the pandemic stuff. Uh, and then after that, there's a lot of background checks, fingerprinting, um, several inspections of your home and then you have to baby proof it and make sure you got, you know, fire extinguisher, you know, medical kit, stuff like that. You know, they, they just want to see that, you know, Hey, there's a safe environment, you know, for the kid. Um, so yeah, I mean, and then you wait for your license and you get it. And then after that, uh, at least here, they, it, it was kind of, kind of a nice thing. They, they don't just like kind of leave you to your devices. They actually hook you up with, uh, with a mentor for your first six months, you know, somebody, been doing it a long time where you can ask questions and, you know, figure out how to handle different situations because it, it is not like normal parenting. Um, and you really get into the whole world of, of trauma and what that does to, you know, your, your brain. And especially when you're, you know, a young kid and stuff like that. Um, and it affects everything, you know, the way we, you know, speak to them, uh, discipline's different. Um, everything's, you know, pretty much different, but what you're trying to do is, is give them what they never got, even if they're older kids, you know, and it's like, well, hey, if this kid was never, you know, held or rocked or interacted with, they still need that, you know, like they, they kind of need that uh, void filled, um, you know, just to kind of make them feel safe, you know, because that, that's kind of the progression of like, you know, a baby, like, you know, you, you know, you, you meet their needs when they're super little and then they, you know, they grow up, they feel safe in their world and they go out and explore, Whenever those needs aren't met, though, you have all types of trauma and you react different ways to different things. And so it's, it's really kind of a focus on trying to heal that trauma. Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, it can be things that maybe in a regular home we take for granted uh, and don't think about the impact of that. And, and it is. It's like playing catch up. Yeah. You, know, you just kind of it can be easy to assume that an older kid doesn't need those things. But, you know, there's a lot that's been missing for those years that impacts their cognitive abilities, security, you know, emotional stability, things like that. So, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and one thing I'd like to point out too, you know, speaking of that is like, and even with the older kids. So if if that trauma is never addressed, um, it's usually cyclical, right? So a lot of foster kids, their parents were also in the foster care system sort of thing. So if it doesn't get fixed, it can get out of hand for generations into adulthood. And I mean, that, that, that affects everybody that affects society that affects, you know, how many homeless people there are. And I mean, and the, the stats are crazy about, you know, foster kids who age out and things like that, just their rate of homelessness, their rate of, um, you know, jail time, uh, teen pregnancies, you know, all, everything up and down the board, you know, if they age out without ever getting like their needs met, it's, uh, yeah, it's usually not good whenever they, you know, become adults too, even though there's a lot of resources out there for them and free college and things like that. But, um, but yeah. So these kids, you know, they come from broken environments, broken homes, and then they come into a foster home. And I've talked to y'all about like the removal process and all that. Maybe you could break down like from broken home to foster home, what that, what that looks like. 
just to kind of just as the timeline goes? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is, you know, I won't get into like the number of kids, but there's been a lot and we've had everybody from babies to, you know, older teenagers in our home and everything in between. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, the, there are common threads, but it really depends, you know, how old they are when they get removed too. Right. So what's crazy is that, you know, you start really educating yourself on trauma, you know, it, you know, you, you don't think about like a baby or an infant, you know, having a lot of trauma. It's just like, well, you know, they were removed from their home, but, you know, still neurologically, you know, they are either, you know, coming off drugs have brain damage or their needs were, you know, never met even as babies. So, you know, they, just because they can't express trauma, you know, through like words, cause they obviously can't speak yet. Their brains are still impacted by trauma even as little babies. So, I mean, it really depends. I mean, I've shared some of the stories with you guys, but I mean, you know, you want to talk about, you know, different types of people groups and, you know, different, you know, backgrounds and neighborhoods. Like it, it really doesn't matter. Like the black, white, Hispanic, Asian, like it does not matter. You know, we see the common things through all of them. Um, It's either severe abuse, alcoholism, drugs, or some combination of that. So, I mean, we, we've seen every people group, everybody, it's, it's even across the board. There is no one more than the other. It's all the same. So, so whenever they get removed and, and this is what's wild. So, I mean, even if like, let's say the home wasn't that bad, you know, so to speak, like just them getting removed from their home, even if they were never, you know, severely abused or anything like that is super traumatic, you know, cause you have to think like, obviously depending on the age of the kid, but you know, they're being removed from the only safety that they know. I mean, even if it's bad safety, you know, they still have, you know, attachment to the person who's abusing them. Yeah, that's um, their normal. Yeah, that's that's all that they know. And, you know, they're still attached to them. But but you're also removing them from, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, their you know, friends in their neighborhood. You're removing them from coaches, teachers. Uh, you know, if they go to church, you know, you're removing them from everything that they know. So even if they didn't have trauma before, just the act of removing them from a home is going to induce trauma. And so then you take that on top of, you know, years of physical, mental, emotional abuse, addiction, um, you know, seeing parents, you know, beat each other up, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, so, so that's kind of how that transition works. Like they, they learn fight or flight really quick. And so, and that, that comes out in very different ways. Like some kids, it's really sad because you think they're okay, but they, they internalize, right? So you'll maybe get a kid who, you know, is a very good sleeper. Um, and it's like, oh, Hey, this is awesome. You know, like they're, they're not fussing they sleep really well, but it's because they've been isolated or left alone. They don't know that it's okay to like, you know, cry out for somebody because they've, you know, probably tried to cry out before and nobody ever came to meet them. So they're just quiet. Or, you know, they, they're not very responsive. Or sometimes you even see it in, like, pain tolerance. Like, they're just, like, numb. Like, they'll, you know, bust their head or fall down, and, and it's just, like, nothing, you know. And then you have the other side of it where, you know, whenever they go into fight or flight, I mean, they just fly off the handle. It's like they're not even there. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, screaming, yelling, crying, uh, you know, hitting. You know, we, we've had kids try to hit us with baseball bats before. He was, like, four. But, um, you know, just, like, I mean, fly off the handle. 
Or you have this other thing called RADS. It's a reactive attachment disorder. And it's really wild to see because I've seen it with like, you know, we obviously know other foster families and we hang out with their kids. And you'll have like some little kid who you've never met before just run up and like hold your hand and call you daddy. And it's like, whoa, like what? Which is like, I don't even know you at all, but they, they overly attach to, to anybody, to strangers, to anybody. Um, and so there's kind of like that spectrum of it too. And so by, by the time they get to your home, you know, all they know is fight or flight, but you know, there's like the honeymoon phase where, you know, they, they come in and, you know, they're still trying to figure out if they can trust you, their environment stuff like that. So, you know, they're usually pretty well behaved, you know, things like that, pretty compliant, but once they get comfortable, all their trauma starts coming out and it's, it's a, it's a beast to handle. So that, that's kind of how that transition works. But, but the thing is, is like, you know, we're kind of assuming that, you know, they're taken out of a home and brought straight to your house. Well, you know, coming to your house may be their fifth or sixth or 20th home, you know, that they've been bounced around, or maybe they've gone back to mom or dad before then been removed again. Um, and, 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 and things like that. Or, you know, a lot of times what happens is if, you know, if there's not enough homes open, because some of these kids, they need like special homes that are, you know, there's different like levels of being licensed. Um, you know, you can be like a therapy home and that's for kids who, you know, with extreme behaviors or a medical home, you know, because a lot of these kids come in with all types of, of medical issues um, and things like that. But a lot of times what will happen is, you know, if there's not space for them, you know, they're basically, you know, they, they like to call it different things. So it doesn't sound like the office. But, you know, a lot of times they're sleeping at the office with social workers or in a government building where, you know, they just get, you know, hey, here's some microwavable burritos and here's your room. And, you know, you, you can't go outside during the day unless you're supervised, you know, sort of thing. I'm you know, like being like like little baby prison, you know, um, and then they come to your home. You know, so 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 don't ever just assume this is like their first trip. But even if it was, they would be very traumatized. But a right. lot of times this is like the, you know, however many times that they've changed home, you know, this is another new environment, more people that they either, you know, can't trust or have a hard time trusting. And then you have to kind of shield them from all of that and show them, you know, like, hey, like you're safe here, your needs are going to be met and we're going to help you through your trauma. Yeah. So you just touched on something you having to, you know, shield those kids and be what they need you to be. And coming from, you know, a four-year-old trying to hit you with a baseball bat to a teenager to, you know, whether this is their first, second, third, fourth, 20th home, sleeping in a government building. Uh, I mean, the, the range of trauma and stuff that these kids, you know, bring along with them, being what they need you to be. How do you do that as a foster dad, as a foster family, you know? You and your wife, you have three biological kids bringing these kids into your home. How do you have to adjust? What does life look like for y'all? Man, I mean, that's 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 a great question. So, you know, first off, we we don't always do it well. We've made a lot of mistakes. You know, there have been times where, well, I mean, you know, I think God is sovereign and all that. I think every kid that's been in our home has been there for a reason, even if it was for a weekend or a day. But, you know, doing it takes a lot of practicing and failing, I guess, um, because we have definitely not done it perfect. But um, I mean, you know, f first of all, I, I, I and I think my wife shares this sentiment, too. Like, I honestly don't understand how people do foster care who are not believers. I just like I could not imagine trying to do this completely on my own. So, I mean, one of the only reasons is God. 
but you know, practically speaking, like that's a, you know, Hey, are we being super diligent and prayerful about this and saying, Hey Lord, like we feel like you've called us to this and I am tired. I don't have the you know energy or strength or the education, you know, the knowledge of what this kid needs to help us through this. So, I mean, that, that's always the starting point. My, my wife and I did take a course though. They, they offered, um, it's called TBRI and it's uh, trust-based relational intervention. And it really, honestly, I I was telling her, I was like, I wish every parent would take one of these courses because it really helped me um, understand my trauma, my wife's trauma, kind of how we grew up and different things that have never been addressed because it's all about like addressing trauma and how to parent, but not from like a traditional way, right? Like, you know, I grew up, my mom was very traditional, you know, with, you know, discipline and spankings and, and, uh, you know, things like that. And, 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 and I, I've done that with my own kids and, you know, it's been effective, you know, in, in certain ways, but it's really more about, um, you know, trying to build a relationship with a kid and trying to understand that, you know, Hey, whenever they're, you know, flying off the handle or they have this behavior, it's not, it's, it's not personal. Cause I think a lot of times when our kids act up, like we take it so personal, like, well, you know, you're a reflection of me or you're doing this on purpose, um, without understanding that, Hey, this kid has a whole Pandora's box of, you know, just trash and junk that they've had to go through in their little lives. And now it's coming out. And so just, just kind of like trying to change your mindset about why these kids are behaving this way, I think is probably the first step in, in being able to, to handle it, you know, even, even somewhat, because, you know, instead of spanking someone or putting them in a timeout or, you know, doing these different things, like you, you have to basically teach them how to regulate themselves, you know? And I mean, it's hard enough for us to regulate ourselves, right? Like quote unquote, normal, you know, people, whatever grew up in an okay home, but a lot of it has to do with like letting them work through their emotions, uh, you know, and you have to wait until they, they, I mean, they, they, they go, there's a whole biological or neurological, you know, process that they kind of walk you through about what's actually happening in your brain whenever your trauma triggered. Right. And, you know, whenever you're in your fit or whatever, like you're, you're just not there. Like it's not reaching like the reason part of your brain. It's, it's basically like whenever your trauma is coming out, only like the base part of your, your brain, your instincts, right? Your fight or flight instincts. And, you know, you really can't talk to a person or a kid, you know, it's kind of like whenever some, you know, you're having an argument with an adult. And, you know, it just seems like you're talking to a brick wall because they're, they're, they're not there to reason with you or listen or anything. And, and, and it's the exact same thing. They're so emotionally caught up in like what they believe or think that um, no amount of reason or anything is going to help at the moment. So what, one of the biggest things is trying to like learn how to, you know, get one on one with them to get on their level, um, waiting for them to calm down. Cause you know, a lot of times some kids, you know, maybe they just, you know, need something to eat or drink, or maybe they just need like a hand on their shoulder. You know, some like I'm, I'm, I'm a touch person. Like that's like my love language. And you know, for some kids that helps calm them down, you know, things like that. And, and also giving them a little bit of uh, a little bit of freedom, you know, whenever they at least, you know, kind of first come into your home. Like I, I can't tell you how many, how many kids, you know, we've taken in. And, um, you know, one of the first things like, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we try to eat pretty healthy and, you know, don't, don't allow a lot of junk in the house, but you know, whenever, especially like an older kid, you know, like let's say five and above or something, um, I'll just ask them like, 
what do you like to eat? You know, and I'll, I'll take them to the store like the very first night. And if they want, you know, Reese's pieces and a whole bunch of junk food, then you know what? Like that person's been through a lot of stuff. Right. And so the least I can do for them is to try to make them feel comfortable that first night. Um, and especially, you know, like whenever we've had uh, girls come in, you know, with absolutely nothing, because some of these kids, I mean, they'll either have like a trash bag or they'll have nothing because maybe they had to leave in a hurry, you know, so they don't even have, you know, toothbrushes or combs or brushes or um, anything like that. So just doing just something small just to help like, hey, I'm going to meet that need right now, even though you like whenever they first come into your home, you know, they're 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 on another planet already because they don't know you. They're kind of scared, you know, so they're, they're not exactly there to tell you their life story the first night. Right. And, you know, a lot of foster kids later on will tell you, like, I don't even remember the first couple of days I was in this home or whatever because they were so, you know, just scared or whatever. Mm-hmm. So just trying to like meet that need and then, um, you know, just trying to talk to them to see what they like to do. Like, Hey, you know, like we, uh, we, we bought like a punching bag and sometimes I'll, I'll tell these kids to be like, look, if you're mad, go out here and that's what you hit. You don't hit me. You don't hit us. You don't hit the walls. Go out here and hit this. Go that's outside and ride a bike. Very good investment. Yeah. I mean, it works for me too. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I was going to say that. I need to get some frustration out. <laughs> I think we've all hit that thing. But yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you're kind of asking like, like how, or like, what do we yeah. do? Um, and, and really it's just trying to change your mindset of like, okay, this person isn't doing this on purpose or just to spite me. This is, you know, what happens when, you know, a kid with trauma comes in your home and, you know, and a cat's out of the bag because all that stuff has to be released, you know, somewhere. And once they start feeling comfortable, all that comes out. And unfortunately that's when we have to step in and try to deal with it, which can be, you know, very tiresome and it's, it's, it's work, but I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of work to try to try to help somebody to overcome those things. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm kind of hearing what you're saying is there, there's no script. There's no A, B, C. This is how you deal with foster kids. Every kid has their own junk drawer full of stuff. Yeah. And you just have to kind of wing it, I guess, as you go. I mean, you can equip yourself with tools, but there's no set right way to mentor to these kids or, it's like case them. by case and, and kind of how you, the specifics of how yeah, everybody's, everybody's help different. Yeah. They've all got their own set of trauma and how they're going to deal with it. Yeah. 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 And like you said, there, there's definitely tools, but yeah, I mean, it's just like all of us are individuals, you know, they, they are too, and they're all have different things. I mean, you know, sometimes I'll just, you know, just to get kids, you know, kind of interacting, like, you know, I'll start off with like, Hey, like high five, you know? And like, so, so sometimes kids are comfortable with that. Sometimes they're not at all. Um, you know, sometimes you don't know, like, Hey, if I try to, you know, like do a high five or if I try to hug this kid or something, are they just going to start swinging, you know, sort of thing, you know? And so, you know, yeah, you, you definitely get a feel for it. Um, cause yeah, sometimes I've just been like, Hey man, like, you know, can, can I give you a hug and, you know, give a teenager a hug and, you know, you're like, all right, cool. Like we're good, you know, or just, you know, fist bump, high five, whatever. And things like that. But it, it, it's, it's so crazy. Cause like, you know, like I said, whenever they come in and they don't have anything, it's been amazing to me. Like what happens whenever you take them to a store and you let them choose, and I'm talking like even like older teenagers that we've had come in um, that you, you've you met before just taking them to say like, hey, like, uh, you know, what what kind of clothes do you like or whatever? And, and they're like, I've never been able to 
choose my own clothes or, wow. or even with food, like, Oh, I've never been able to, you know, pick a candy before or, or, you know, pick out my own socks or anything like that. And you're like, you're, you're shocked. You know, you're like, what? Like you're, you're 16 years old. Like nobody's ever given you a choice. Yeah, that's and so part right. of it's like empowering them too to say like, Hey, like this is normal. Like you have a voice and it matters because a lot of times these kids just want to be heard and seen, you know, just like any of us, you know, cause they've been so, isolated from what's normal, you know, in, in society. I remember we went, I think we went to Publix with Robert just to pick out like cereal in the morning. It was like, Hey man, what do you want? Like crickets. Like, what do you mean? What do I want? Yeah. You know, I was like, I, I've never had a choice. Like my grandma has, you know, frosted wheats on top of her fridge. So that's what I eat, yeah. you know, cause he, he had a relationship with his grandma, but just him getting to pick out his own cereal was was a blessing to him like that was that was huge you, I mean you could tell by the look on his face that that was awesome yeah yeah and that that happens every day every day that's cool man so we're uh gonna get a little personal here yeah all right, all right. Let's do it. so we'll start with the rough and then we'll we'll finish with the good right so in all of this man what is what has been one of or some of the hardest moments you guys have have faced or, or kind of been through that have really challenged you or even i mean look i imagine most people who do this probably have moments of like i'm done yeah you know so what have those moments looked like for for you and shara man i mean so it's yeah it's it's been a lot of things i mean you know what, what you have to keep in mind is that you're not just taking this kid into your home now you're dealing with several people from the state you know, the, the caseworkers, the gals, the, all the coordination workers, uh, doctors, visits, medical stuff. So you have this challenge where, where the state is all up in your business and in your life and can basically do what they want at any time. Right. So one of the hardest things has been not only trying to, you know, to take care of that in the background, but, you know, some of the things that happen sometimes that, you know, that are just out of your control is probably whenever they make decisions about the kids, you know, future without considering the foster family at all. Cause I mean, like you said, it's not just me and my wife, you know, our three kids, you know, develop relationships with these kids too. And so some of the hardest things have been whenever they have to leave, whether it was, you know, us making that call, because I've, I've made that call before or whenever they just do it anyway, because some circumstance, I mean, I won't get into like different, you know, details or scenarios, but you know, you can get a phone call just saying that like, you know, Hey, we're taking the kid to, you know, long lost aunt or uncle that we just found. And, you know, you've got three hours to get them ready or whatever. And, you know, kids don't really have a chance to say goodbye and you're dealing with emotions and things like that. So yeah, I think, I think saying goodbye was probably one of the hardest things. Well, I think real quick, I think one of the hard parts about what you just mentioned is well, similar to Zambia, they say, you know, we want to try to reconcile, reconcile the kid with family. And so here that will kind of become a priority, even if it really isn't what's best for the kid. And that I'm sure makes it much harder. Well, I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but you, you mentioned it. So yeah. So what the, the state, and whenever I say the state, I mean the actual agency and the judicial system. So uh, they're separate. They don't really, you know, there's no overlapping uh, authority there. Their main goal is reunification. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with how it looks on statistics. 
statewide. I'm sure every state deals with that. Well, you know, we reunified this percentage of kids with parents and it looks good, you know, like that. Right. And so you're, you're right. And I mean, and I'm all about reunification, you know, obviously if the kids can go somewhere, you know, safe and their needs are met. Right. Um, I, I grew up poor, like my, my dad's side of the family, you know, and I told my wife, I was like, you know, they're a little redneck and hillbilly, but there are some good people there. Like, you know, just because you're poor doesn't mean you shouldn't get your kids back. Right. Right, right. Um, but that is their number one priority in my opinion. And so keeping that in mind, a lot of times they will make decisions, um, for these kids to go to family members. And I mean, literally all you have to do is just like, look on Facebook about like these family members and you can already tell like, this is not safe. It's not a good fit. I mean, they're, you know, it's either just, you can tell by their lifestyle and their photos or they're just blatantly, you know, saying stuff about illegal things that they're doing and, you know, and it's just like, but they'll go there anyway. And it's like, well, it's, it's family, like family's number. And it's like, yes, I get that. I'm not trying to take anybody's kids from anybody, but if they can't go, you know, to a safe environment, then what should matter the most is what's good for the kid. And of course, you know, they'll say like, oh yeah, of course, you know, the benefit of the child. Um, but realistically it, it is about getting them back with their families. The unfortunate thing is in our area, this is probably why it's more prevalent. Um, we, we have worse reunification statistics here. It's not a very high percentage um, of kids who get reunified. And so I think that part of that is trying to up that number was more, more pressure to right and yeah. i mean and rightfully so like i'm not the state i don't want to take over child welfare and try to figure it all out because i mean realistically it needs to start from ground zero again you know but that's not where we live uh it's not the world we live in and so you know, our next option is like what do we do as a church um as a community to, to try to stand in where we can you know sort of thing um other things that have been just wild have been uh you know, another thing you have to contend with besides the state are the parents. And that's really a crapshoot because, I mean, you can get, you know, some sweet single mom who's just struggling or has, you know, mental health issues, or you can get some psycho people out there who, you know, are either just blowing up your phone or just, you know, they're, I mean, nobody's really ever like threatened us or anything, but you know, you always kind of have that in the back of your mind. You're like, you know, man, like if my info gets shared or something, you know, they could, they could show up or something. Well, or, it's a lot easier with ele electronics and social media yeah. and things nowadays. Well, the, the, the issue is, is that, uh, our information is not very well kept. There's a lot of leaks and people say in the wrong thing, the wrong people. And it's like, Oh great. These people know where I live now. Now, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, no one has ever come to our door. Nothing has ever been threatened anything like that, but it's, you know, it's just things that you, th that you think about. And then you have to, um, you know, if, if you do have a parent that's just super, angry uncooperative because they they see you as trying to like take their kid and it's like whoa like i'm trying to give your kid somewhere like i i you know it, it's almost as if they, they they think you were part of the decision to remove the kid and it's like i, I had nothing to do with the state right, like i'm bridging your the kid. gap here yeah, yeah this is just a place for your kid to be until they can either go home or have you know they're, they're adopted so, yeah, I mean, some of the other hard things, too, you know, are, are dealing with the behaviors. You know, we we've had I mean, you know, the, the behaviors can can be messy and, and can be dealt with and they're expected. But, you know, we've had a couple situations where, you know, it, it like we we knew it wasn't going to work out and that they needed to, to go. But then, you know, the kids themselves 
have said like, you know, I, I want to leave, you know, and things like that. And that, that's, that's happened once. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget watching her angrily walk out the door with her suitcase and it's just like, man, I, I didn't think it was going to ever end like that. You know, after all we tried to pour into this person and they're just basically like, you know, forget you, you know, have a nice life. And it's like, oh, man, like that stuff hurts. Um, but I mean, on the flip side, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of really good things. Um, well, yeah, that would be the next thing. Like yeah. let's, uh, yeah. on a positive note, what have, uh, what have been some of the highlights and, and just things that, that have happened that were good and ways you've seen God work? Yeah. I mean, probably the biggest thing is seeing these kids grow. Um, even if they've, you know, left our home, um, some of them have gone back to their parents and, you know, Maybe we didn't agree with that decision, but it's been really neat because, you know, as, as this is kind of like a ministry, um, I have never had an issue like sharing the gospel with these kids or trying to speak truth into their lives of like, you know, Hey, you know, you do have a voice and it's because, you know, you're made in the image of God, you know, you're creating his image and likeness, you have value and worth. Um, and then hearing, um, you know, months and sometimes years later, uh, hearing updates on these kids and they're still talking about God or about how we took them to church. Um, you know, even if it was for like a weekend or two, I mean, I even remember, you know, when, when we brought Robert to church, um, it was actually father's day and I was like, Oh man, this might be hard for him. Um, because you know, his dad wasn't really in his life, but you know, even just hearing afterward, he was like, you know, wow, like that was, that was really impactful, you know, and like, I really appreciated that. Cool. Um, you know, and sometimes you never know, like if these kids have ever been to church or, you know, what kind of church they've been to and just being able to, uh, you know, to speak truth into them and that they know how much that they're loved and valued. And so that, that, that's probably been the coolest thing is kind of seeing the fruit of that, even if it's like way later on or like, you know, Hey, like, you know, we still remember doing this or, Hey, we remember Mr. Sean or, you know, <laughs> whoever, um, you know, ha having a good time, you know, j just getting them to to just join normal things, you know, to take them to birthday parties with us and they get to, you know, experience what that's like and, um, you know, going out to eat and, you know, and things like this, you know, and, and, and a lot of things that they've never done before, you know, it's like, Hey, like, have you ever been to this park or done, you know, the trampoline park or something They're like, no, you know, just seeing them so excited to, you know, experience things for the first time. Um, so, I mean, that, this one's kind of a both because like it kind of breaks your heart, but like some of these kids will like start calling you mom or dad. Um, and so it kind of breaks your heart, especially if you know that, you know, it's not, you know, long-term. Um, but then it's also very sweet because like they feel that way about you, um, and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been a road of sanctification of whiplash of ups and downs. And basically, you know, we're, we're here to try to shield them from the world. You know, I mean, obviously not, not completely, but, uh, from, you know, their parents, you know, if, if they need that, um, I, and I don't mean like not taking them to visits. I just mean, um, you know, if, if their parents are the source of the trauma or abuse, I'm trying to protect them from that. Cause we've had that before, you know, just, uh, trying to shield them from all the background stuff that like, you know, kids really shouldn't have to worry or care about, you know, like what's the court doing, you know, when's our next inspection, um, you know, getting a phone call. Oh, Hey, you know, we're you know picking up the kid tomorrow. Then it's like, Oh no, sorry. That was a mistake. You know, we're, we're okay. It's, you know, it's just constant like whiplash from that, but yeah, just trying to shield them from just all the crud. And I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. And you know, one, one thing I do want to mention though, is that, 
you know, through this, there, there's been a lot of good things people have said and bad, but you know, whenever you get into foster care, it's, it's not just your family that it's going to impact. Um, it's going to impact your extended family. Um, it's going to impact your church family and people are going to have all types of opinions and things that they want to say and stuff like that. And so it's, um, it's, it's not easy, but you know, one of the things that drives me crazy is people say like, Oh, well, you know, I could, I can never do that. Or it takes a special person. And it's like, do you really think like I'm a special person? Like, I <laughs> like, look at me. Like, I, mean, I'm, I, I do think you're special. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not like that, you know, like, Oh, like, um, you know, it's some sort of, you know, like special gift or something you have to have. It's like, no, just, we're just normal parents trying to make it through and struggling like anybody else. And we just wanted to try to step in the gap for a time and, you know, see if we can see if we can help some people. But, you know, it definitely doesn't take a special person to do it. It takes a lot of dedication and hard work. Like you have to stick. Well, I, I, guess, I guess commitment is the right word to to stick with it and, you know, to be able to burden that stuff. Or people say like, oh, well, you know, I couldn't stand the heartbreak. You know, it would break my heart. And, you know, I mean, th- these are very well-meaning people, but it's like, well, you know, that's that's great for your heart, but let's compare your heart to everything that this little kid has just been through and think about their heart, about all the abuse, all the trauma, all the hospital visits, all the fighting, everything, but you're worried about your heart. And it's like, it's... It's, it's a legitimate thing to say, but, 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 but if you, but if you think that way, I think you're kind of missing the purpose. Like the whole point is to step in the gap and protect their heart. And yeah, you know, sometimes it does break your heart, uh, for sure. And it hurts and it really does. But, um, you know, whenever there's brokenness, there's usually growth. And so it's, it's helped me grow, you know, spiritually, I think it's helped me become more mature in a lot of ways. It's helped me to force patience, um, and to understand, you know, trauma a lot better too. And I mean, and honestly, everything I've learned from foster care, you know, I try to apply it to other parts of my life too, because kids aren't the only ones with trauma and issues. So I'm glad you shared that stuff at the end, man. I mean, it's, it's interesting, the things and comments that people will make things that they'll say, but yeah, it's a very important part. Like, uh, I just couldn't handle the hurt. Well, now you're saying, you know, you're putting your feelings as priority over, kids feelings right and and i think that's the thing is that it's not that it takes a special person as though you've like you're like spider-man or thor or something and you've got some special spiritual gift right it's just it really is it's selflessness and it's um trusting god a lot of trusting god knowing who he is yeah and trusting uh, that he sustains us and what he's called us to do i mean it's crazy so already just bringing up us potentially going to zambia I've heard that. Exa- I hadn't thought about it until you just said it. I've had people say, oh, it takes a special person willing to move to Africa. Yeah. I'm like, no, it, it takes an obedient yeah. person to move to Africa. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not special. I didn't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <you know? laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, all right, so Scott, being that you have three biological kids, speak to kind of how you still kind of protect them, parent them in the midst of all of this as you're bringing new kids into the home and just that dynamic. Sure. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's been tough, but it's been good. So, you know, we, we've had 
just as much heartbreak with our kids as, as we have like ourselves. So, you know, every time like a kid has left and especially like my, my oldest daughter, you know, she's, she's, she's like come to us, you know, obviously like crying and in tears and like, you know, why are we putting in all this work and we still have to say goodbye, you know, sort of thing. So I think, I think bringing your kids into the conversation is, it's been helpful for us. Cause even though they're 11 and younger, you know, like I, I can't sit there and tell a foster kid like, Oh, Hey, you have a voice, but my biological kids, like I'll be quiet. You know, we're just going to make decisions. Uh, because honestly that that's one of the dangers, you know, you'll, you'll hear that from adult kids who, you know, their parents fostered. And sometimes they'll say stuff like that. Like, you know, like I understand why you did it. You know, it was a good thing, but I wish you wouldn't have because sometimes the biological kids, it's like, well, you know, your needs are met. You're fine. Like, you know, I have to deal with these other kids. They like, can almost feel forgotten. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, pr- protecting them from that is, is a huge part of it because you, you have to consider the effect on your whole family um, or else it's just really not worth it. You know, so there, there's been a lot of heartbreak. Um, but, you know, speaking of my daughter saying that she has said things like that. And then we'll sit down and have a conversation with them and be like, well, hey, like, do you guys still want us to foster? And they're like, yeah, definitely. Like, we love it. You know, like, let's keep doing it. So, so there's that, you know, whole, whole beauty and ashes thing again, right? Like there, there, there can be a lot of heartbreak. And I mean, and, and honestly, that's a great point to people who say like, oh, well, my heart couldn't take it. Well, you know, my seven-year-old daughter's heart, you know, got broken too, but she still wants to do it. Um, and, 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 and I'm not saying that at a certain point, your heart can't take it because honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of at that point, you know, where it, it's just, you know, it's worn me out a little bit. Like I'm, I'm kind of ready to move into a different chapter. Like I would like to adopt and then kind of move more into like a, like a mentor, you know, type role or help out in another way. And, and that's, that's a whole other thing too, is, you know, not everybody is called to do this, but like as our church body has shown us, you guys have been our community. You guys have, have met our needs and, you know, brought us food and helped us with all types of stuff, you know, furniture and moving beds and, and doing all sorts of things. Like there are a million ways to help support, but I guess like getting back to my kids, you know, intentionally making the time to still have one-on-one time with them to still, you know, meet their needs too. Um, even if it's for five or 15 minutes a day, uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I spend a certain amount of time with each kid every day, but just, just making sure that you have moments to connect them, um, you know, with the family too, just so they don't feel forgotten and things like that. Um, and, and you know what, you kind of have to let them figure out how emotionally attached they want to get or not. Um, some of my kids get really attached and very heartbroken and some of my kids, they, you know, I don't know if they've kind of just built up like a wall about it. I mean, like they're, they're always super friendly and, you know, they interact with the kids and, you know, treat them just the same. But whenever they leave, they're kind of okay with it. You know, they just kind of, they, they know that that's what happens a lot of times. So. Thanks, man. Appreciate you sharing that. Sean, any other questions, man, for, for Scott? Uh, I guess just final thoughts. Anybody maybe listening to this that is interested in uh, foster care you know anybody that's maybe been thinking about it or whatever would you have any i guess any words of encouragement or any warnings towards someone looking towards that <laughs> no I'm, I'm sitting here laughing i just wanted to be like no don't no i'm kidding <laughs> um yeah so i think one of the biggest things that we 
weren't disciplined enough in was sticking to our boundaries because what, what happens is, and rightfully so, um, you know, whether you're doing foster care as a single parent, you know, or, or with your husband or wife is to come up with some boundaries. And so, you know, at first it kind of sounded odd cause it was like, well, you know, I don't want to be like super picky. Uh, but realistically I'm just talking about like how many you're willing to take into your home and what ages. I, I mean, there are other boundaries you can consider, you know, if you'll take medical needs or, you know, things like that or, you know, severe behaviors. Um, but what happened was, is we, you know, we set our boundaries and then you get the phone call or you see the kid in person. And then that kind of blows everything up because it's a real person. And it's then, a human being standing yeah, in front of you with a right. need. Like at your door or a phone call away, or you know, like, oh, hey, there's this, you know, three year old sleeping at the office who has cigarette burns on his face. Um, and, you know, it just it just breaks your heart. And you're like, well, you know, let's pray about it and let's do this. And I mean, we haven't ever just like jumped without praying about it, but I would probably say stick to your boundaries and, you know, obviously educate yourself. But, you know, some of the biggest help we've had is actually from from you guys is having a community. Uh, so like my wife and I, we're, we're part of a foster care support group that meets once a month. And, you know, when we first started this, we didn't really know a lot of other foster parents, but just getting to know other people who are doing this too is probably the biggest help because not only is there, you know, different perspectives and wisdom and things like that, but, you know, so, somebody has probably dealt with or is, you know, going through the same thing that you are. And I mean, and that, that, that can even help with, uh, with the court systems. It can help with, uh, you know, dealing with the state and things like that, knowing how to navigate, who to contact if there's an issue, um, and things like that. But really sticking to your boundaries is probably the biggest thing I can say. Uh, because, you know, once, once that kid's in your home, it's really hard to tell them like, Hey, you know, you've got to go, this isn't working out, you know? So once, once they're in your home, you know, you have to be willing to accept, um, everything that, you know, comes, comes with that kid. And, you know, I'd, I'd probably say there's like a progression because, you know, a lot of these kids have siblings. And so, you know, you'll be asked, you know, if you're willing to, um, you know, take in brothers and sisters, because another another thing, and I totally agree with this uh, from the state's perspective, is they try to keep siblings together as much as possible. Totally 100% agree with that. But make sure to ask uh, because they could have four or five brothers and sisters. Um, or the right. state might, may not be willing um, to let you have them in your home um, if you don't take the siblings and things like that. Um, asking questions about behaviors, asking questions about medical stuff. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times they're, they're not going to know because that kid's just as new to them as, as anybody else. So, you know, j just keep in mind that uh, the information may not always be accurate um, about the kid. Obviously, there's no perfect kids that are ever going to come into your home without anything. Um, so just, just be prepared. Have an open mind. Try to meet their needs. Um, even the first couple of days, nights, making sure they're comfortable. They have the food that they like. You know, they're comfortable where they're sleeping. And just kind of try to get to know them. You know, feel them out. What, what type of person are they? What, what, what's, what's their currency, you know, like what, what, what actually motivates them to, you know, interact, you know, sometimes it's food, sometimes it's video games, sometimes it's, you know, whatever they'll, they'll, they'll usually let you know, you know, like what they like and don't like and stuff like that. So, but if you go outside your boundaries, um, you know, just be prepared, you know, you, you may not be ready for, for that. Um, especially sometimes, you know, you could have multiple kids in your homes and they each have separate cases and that that's, that's like foster care advanced class. Like 
<laughs> if you're just starting out, just try to stick with like one, one case um, because you don't want to deal with two different court systems and lawyers and social workers and all those people in your house and visits and things like that. Um, and don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and ask questions because I think a lot of people assume that they can't you know, stand up to the system or fight for these kids. And we have learned that you absolutely can. Yes. Sometimes we've gotten in trouble for that, you know, for going, skipping the chain of command and going up a little bit too high, but you know what? It's part of our job to fight for these kids. And that means, you know, making phone calls, you know, kicking in doors to make sure that they're getting, you know, medical needs or daycare or whatever it is um, that they get what they need. So don't ever be afraid to, to ask questions or push people for, for what's good for the kid. Scott, man, thank you for opening up today, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. bearing your soul <laughs> on uh, on what can be a, a very difficult topic, I think, and, and something, you know, not everybody knows about or yeah. even thinks about regularly. And uh, we're thankful for you and Shara and your kids and, and the ministry uh, that you've had, the way you've been able to plant seeds and pour into kids and as far as the adoption thing, man, we're, you know, we're all yeah. in prayer with you about that and excited to see what God does for you next and what this next uh, kind of venture looks like for you. Yeah. All right. No, I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I'll, I'll just kind of close with this, I guess. It's like, you know, I, I wanted to be fair to the topic and I know that there's been a lot of like ups and downs on what I've said and I'm not trying to scare anybody away. Um, there's been a lot of fruit that's come uh, from, from several different sides, not only the kids who have been in our home, um, but our family as well, how it's grown us. So it's not just, you know, Oh, Hey, you know, we're thinking about jumping into this, but Hey, this guy said, we're going to get our hearts broken. Like, yeah, yeah, you might, but you know what? Like God will do things that you've never thought he would do in your life and how he can change you and mature you and change your perspective of the world. You know, cause like you said, a lot of people just don't know, you know, the, the need that's out there. So. I mean, I'm glad you shared all that you shared because I think about, I think about Jesus when he spoke about being a disciple, right? And, you know, you must leave father and mother, you know, or follow me unto death, right? You must yeah. you know, be willing to, to forsake all to follow me. You know, and it said that everybody turned and walked away. You know, it's, it is a good thing to count the cost. And even in something like this, you know, it is a good thing to have someone like you who, shares the good times and the hard times, you know, somebody shouldn't enter this in just thinking that it's all roses and I'm going to sign up to be a foster parent and save the world. And everything's going to be great. Like it's yeah. going to be some Hallmark movie, you know, there are hard times and it's okay to talk about that, you know? So, so I appreciate your openness, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for asking me about it. Yeah, man. A lot of, lot of feelings and emotions that go into foster care. No doubt. All the feelings. All, the, all of them. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We are dropping new episodes every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. You can also connect with us on social media. You can check us out on Twitter at deed underscore truth or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Deed and Truth Podcast, or you can check out the website deedandtruthpodcast.com. All right, until next time.